And Jesus was in the temple area, walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews gathered around him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So our text today, we meet Jesus at one of the many festivals. And if you were to read through John, you would notice that a lot of John's Christology, that is, talking about who Jesus is, matches up with some certain festival or things that are going on there. And John's doing this deliberately. He is reacquiring the meanings of these festivals that are celebrated in first century uh, Jewish tradition, and he's re-articulating them in light of Jesus. And so if you read through John, it's always significant when there is a festival going on. And no less so in this particular text, as Jesus is in Jerusalem for the festival of dedication, which takes place in the winter. And it commemorates what happened in 164 BCE, almost 200 years prior to when Jesus was walking around, when the Maccabees led a revolt in order to wrest control of Jerusalem away from Antiochus IV, who was an awful awful dictator who took over Jerusalem and did his best to abolish Jewish practice. In fact, in what's called in the Jewish memory, the, uh, ab, the ad, abom, sorry, the <laughs> abomination of desolation. Thank you. I don't know why that was such a hard word. Abomination of desolation is uh, when Antiochus removed the altar of God out of the Holy of Holies of the temple and replaced and put in its place a statue of Zeus. And prior to that, he slaughtered a pig on the altar of God, which if you know anything about Judaism, you know that pigs are not clean and certainly defile the temple. In 164 BCE, when the Maccabees got control back and vanquished the Seleucid army, they rededicated the temple to God's work over eight days it took to rededicate it. And they were concerned about oil. They didn't have enough oil, but the lamps stayed lit for eight days. And to celebrate that, they have the festival of dedication. The Hebrew word for dedication is Hanukkah. Sound familiar? (laughs) So this is what Hanukkah is celebrating, is this Maccabean revolt that got control back. That didn't last very long. Pretty soon uh, another group came in and took Jerusalem over again, and eventually the Romans uh, were in charge. And I have no doubt that as this group 
quizzed Jesus about, are you the Messiah? Tell us plainly. Stop beating around the bush. Stop, stop tiptoeing around it. Tell us plainly, are you the Messiah? I have no doubt that they had in their minds this Maccabean revolt. And they remembered a time when the Jews were back in control of Jerusalem. And even though now they were able to have their festivals and have their, uh, celebrate their, their um, religion, they did not have control of Jerusalem. They were under the thumb of the Roman Empire. And I'm sure when they quizzed Jesus, what they were really asking, are you the king who is going to come and mount up an army and just like the Maccabees, kick out the Roman imperial army, only this time maybe it will last a little bit longer. And maybe because in their minds, the Messiah was going to be a holy warrior who is going to bring about, bring back to Jerusalem the throne of David, and it will be like it was in David's time. No doubt, this is really what they were asking. And I get in my, I, I, I tend to think in my mind that Jesus, if he were to answer this, would, it would be more like, well, yes and no. Are you the Messiah? Well, yes and no. Right? The kind of Jesus answer you'd get. Yes, I am the Messiah, but no, I'm not the kind of Messiah you were expecting. I'm something completely different. But of course, Jesus chooses not to answer plainly. I think he's a little frustrated. I think people get frustrated with this. These folks certainly did. They say, Jesus, just tell us, Messiah, yes, no. Well, I already, I already covered that territory. And then Jesus goes off on something else completely ignores their question. I think people still get frustrated with the fact that Jesus doesn't speak plainly or for our, enough for our taste. I think so many of us feel like it would be so nice if Jesus would just come walking in in a big long robe and uh, you know a beard, right? Looking like he does. And come down here and sit down and grab the mic and just tell us everything we need to tell us plainly what the deal is. Eliminate all of our doubts. Settle all of our arguments. Laugh in Richard Dawkins' face. Right? Stand here and just do all of that. But then Jesus says this to the people in our story. I already told you. I've already given you the information you need. But it doesn't matter because you don't believe the things I've already said plainly. You don't believe the things that I have demonstrated plainly. You don't believe that I'm here with a message of good news. It's as though Jesus is saying, people who believe don't ask these questions. People who believe in what they've seen instead, when they hear what I say, they follow. Because they see and they hear how it leads to life with God and the kingdom of God. And I suppose this is our answer too. When, we des when our desire for things to be made plain and clear and put into a nice little box and put a little bow on it and hand it over to us, when we desire that, when we long for that, I think Jesus comes back to us and says, I already, I already showed you everything you need. I already told you what you need to know. Follow me and you're on the path toward God and to the kingdom of God. What more do you want to know? 
Uh, and again, I think it's frustrating for a lot of us. I think people come to me with this sometimes. And I, you know, I don't know if you've... Sometimes I'm more than happy to give you my opinion. But oftentimes, the last thing you're going to get from me is a straight answer because, uh, you know, we want to be about exploring. We want to be about discovering together. And so often, I think people in our society today, what they want is a list. What they want is the yes and no. What they want is the black and white. But I'm here to tell you that there is no plain speech that is going to dissipate the complexity of faith. Amen? Faith is a complex thing. Faith is a complicated thing. Not so much because God is so complicated, although I think God is huge and much bigger than perhaps our minds can wrap around. But I think we're complicated and complex. And we each come at faith in a very different way. And quite frankly, I revel in that. I like the grayness of the journey and the ambiguity and the ability to kind of wonder because if everything is black and white if everything is laid out for you if i if all the answers are provided where's the wonder where's the exploration where's the passion where's the fear and trembling of trudging forward into a bit of darkness and the unknown And where is the faith of allowing God through Christ to guide us when we don't know where we're going? Amen? Join me in that ambiguity. Amen? Amen. But for Jesus, the evidence of who He is and whose He is are as plain as the nose on your face. John the Baptist kind of asked this same question. Are you the one we are waiting for? Or should we expect someone else? And this was Jesus' response to that. Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. The good news is proclaimed to the poor. Now on on its surface you can see that he's, he's kind of talking about miracles. But I want you to think about these kind of symbolically too. Symbolically, the deaf hear. Symbolically, the blind see. Symbolically, those with leprosy are clean now. Jesus has gone about the business of bringing the kingdom of God to the fore and proclaim the good news to those of us who are poor and poor in spirit. I imagine this was all frustrating for Jesus as well. He, he is speaking out all this good news that comes to Him from God. And people just seem to have two things. They either get angry or they get confused. We don't know what you're talking about. Or we know what you're talking about and it's blasphemy. And they run Him out of town. But what Jesus says is the sheep hear and they know the voice of the shepherd Those who are paying attention, those who are less concerned with titles like Messiah, and those who have eyes to see God at work, hear Jesus' voice and know that it is God 
who is speaking wonderful words of life through Him. And it truly is as plain as it needs to be. Hear the voice of the Good Shepherd. Whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. Mark 8.35 Oh, how hard it will be for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Mark 10.23-25 But many that are first will be last, and the last first 10.30, Mark 10.31 For I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. That was right before this text. John 10.10 Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Luke 14.11 There was nothing outside a person which is going to defile him but it, the things that come out of a person are what defile him. The things that are inside that come out. Mark 7 15. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child cannot enter it. Luke 10, 15. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Matthew 5, 44. Swear not at all. But let, I, need, I need that one sometimes. Swear not at all, but let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Matthew 5.34 The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Mark 1.15 If anyone would come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow Me. Luke 9.23 It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be the servant and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. Matthew 20, 26-28 For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for My sake will save it. I think I already did that, but it bears repeating. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this they will know you are my disciples if you love one another. John 13, 34-35 You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Mark 10, 21 Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out His hand and touched Him and said to Him, I do choose be made clean. Mark 1, 40-45 I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. John 15, 15 Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Luke 6, 22 Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body not more than clothing? Matthew 6, 25. 
Go in peace. Your faith has made you well. That's all over the Gospel. Does no one condemn you? Then neither do I condemn you. John 8, 11. Come, follow Me. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Matthew, all those guys. And to you and me too. Come, follow Me. All this, all these wonderful words, all these things said plainly out there that this is what the Kingdom of God looks like. This is what God desires for the world and for creation and for all people in this world. All this Jesus said and still people stopped and asked Him, stop being cryptic. Jesus, stop being so cryptic about what you're saying. Tell us plainly, are you the Messiah? The problem was that they thought they had a good handle on the way God worked in the world. They thought they knew exactly what to expect. They thought they had a clear roadmap of the future and they were watching for particular signs and they missed it. Missed it. In addition to that, they were on the lookout for people who made claims that did not reflect that worldview. Here, they had a, this was as much about catching Jesus making claims that would get Him in trouble as it was about finding out who He was. They were just as interested in hearing Him say, yes, I'm the Messiah, and then being able to hit Him with rocks. But to this, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. This is at the heart of who Jesus is in this text today. This ultimately tells the hearers what they want, or better yet, what they need to know. And I need to point out that I, I know where we're all going with this, is that this text is not a text that claims Jesus is part of the Trinity or points to His deity or His incarnation. I know that all of us kind of run there when we hear that I and the Father are one. Uh, there are texts that point to that, but this is not one of them. Uh, in other words, in this passage, when Jesus says, I and the Father are one, it's not the same as when John says the Word was with God and the Word was God. There's two th different things being said here. And the reason, the reason is the Greek adjective being used here for the word one, it's, a it's in a neuter form, not a masculine form. And because of that, what it basically means here in this text is that Jesus and God, they're not, it's not that they're one being, but rather that Jesus and God are of one purpose. Jesus and God are on the same page. Right? In other words, Jesus is saying, if you wish to be about the things of God, listen to Me. And I will point you in that direction. Furthermore, those who are listening, they see that and they know that and they get that. My sheep can see where this is going because they already are keyed into the kingdom of God. This is, what, this is who Jesus is and it is what is, He is so plain about. Jesus is the one who points us to God and shows us what a right relationship with God looks like. But of course, we insist on holding on to a particular version of that if we hold on to that, if we don't loosen ourselves up to the, the imagination, 
and imagine that Jesus can be so much bigger than what perhaps we thought Jesus was. If we can loosen ourselves up, if we don't, we may miss what God is doing right in front of us. Like those who quiz Jesus in this text today. They, it's standing right in front of them. And they missed it. Right here, the kingdom of God is being proclaimed and demonstrated, and you're missing it. What this meant for the original hearer, and what it means for us today, is that we have a good shepherd. We have a good shepherd who leads us where the real food is. Who leads us in finding our way. Who makes a path for all of us to experience true shalom. To really know what it is to be free, to be cared for, to be loved, to be a part of the Kingdom of God. It's up to us to listen, to see, to hear, and to respond. To follow Jesus along that way. To follow. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, we open up our ears to listen for the still, small voice of our Shepherd. As we open up Your Word, as we open up our hearts to Your Holy Spirit and the lens of Jesus coming to us through that Spirit, may we be receptive and have enough imagination to see Jesus at work in new and exciting ways all around us. And may we be eager to follow. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Keller's up here clapping. She loves that song. <laughs> uh, hey, come upstairs for a time of fellowship and join us for our celebratory uh, quarterly uh, meeting up there. On your way out, uh, we want to show off some of the work that was done in the bride room, and we repaired the carpet in the chapel too, if you want to look at that. But watch for folks. They're going to guide you. We kind of have a thoroughfare. You kind of got to walk through because we have a lot of people. So uh, they'll guide you. To, but go ahead and go by the, the uh, bride room. It's, it's uh, very nice. So, uh, Now receive the benediction. May the Lord go with you, abide within you, and work through you today and forevermore. Go in the love and the joy and the peace of Jesus Christ. Amen.